Hello, this is Clementine from Visions of Atlantis, and you're watching CMS TV. Nocturnal Affair, that was, um, what was that? That was a song called Down, and here to get down with us is the singer of the band himself, Mr. Brendan Shane. Brendan, how are you, man? Good morning. How are you? Good. Good morning. Good to, good to talk to you, man, and um, loving the music, dude. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you honestly, I've seen the name kicking around for a couple of years now, and I honestly never listened to it because I thought it was way different than it is. <laughs> I, I honestly, I saw the name, like a nocturnal affair. And the first thing that's jumping into my mind is all that, you know, my dying bride, dreary music. And I was like, you know, so I never really listened to it. And then um, when your publicist hit me up and said, you guys were touring with Fozzie. I'll be honest. I was like, wow, that's a weird fucking combo. You know, not knowing <laughs> anything about your music at all. Then I went back and listened. I was like, man, there's a lot here that I like, man. So good stuff, man. I saw right away Thank that you. we're both from the, the Mohawk tribe. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I like them already. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Not anymore. I no, he shaved it. Oh. oh, well. <laughs> I needed something fresh, but I'll probably go back to it. It changes every two months. <laughs> nice. Well, dude, let's talk about, about your band. Um, you have an album that is out there uh, called Metamorphosis, which is great. It's a. It's hard to describe what you guys do you know there's I, I i read the bio and i read a bunch of reviews and they all compare you to bands that maybe there's influence from but i don't really hear you know it's like these guys are like if nine inch nails and typo negative had a baby and i'm like well <laughs> no not really i mean it's there's some influence obviously there's an industrial influence and obviously there's kind of a dark goth sort of influence <laughs> But I, I personally think what your music has is a lot more commercial viability than either of those two bands. So let's let, let's start there, man. Tell us a little bit about your band and about you know putting it together and where you're at today. Well, the band itself actually started a bit as a joke. And uh, before it was the Nocturnal Affair, we called ourselves The Feels. And... We kind of just played the dreariest, darkest goth rock I could I could come up with at the time. And we had one gig at the House of Blues. It was our first gig. We ended up opening up for this Duran Duran cover band. 
and the place was packed due to it being some kind of corporate event. And we played, I think, five songs, and we covered a song by The Cure. And I was bum-rushed the moment I got off stage. Nice. And I, I've been in bands, you know, in this town for a few years now, probably going on a little over a decade. And nobody had ever given me that kind of attention when I got off stage before. So I was kind of like, all right, maybe we've got something. So I decided to do things a little more seriously. And yeah, I, you know, take influences from Nine Inch Nails, David Bowie, Typo Negative, but even bands like Prince. Um, I mean, stuff like, I'm trying to think, maybe not in that genre, you know, who who we take influence from. But it's uh, it's definitely, there's more sides to it than Typo Negative and Nine Inch Nails. Right. No, there definitely is. And, you know, the, the, it's interesting for me, just because I don't know the city so much. I mean, for, for people that don't know, you're, you're, um, you're based out of Vegas, which is, to me, I, I assume is like the hardest city in the world to capture people's attention in, just because there's so much stuff to do. How did you go about finding an audience with original music when there's so much, so much other stuff out there to do? Um, I mean, building off of what I re just spoke about, cover bands. Okay. Cover bands are the big, they're the boss in town. Right. Cover is king in Vegas. And a lot of musicians come out to Vegas hoping to make it big because they're close to Hollywood, except it's cheaper out here. I don't know how much longer it will be, though. Uh, and, you know, they still want to make money, so they start gigging with some cover bands on the Strip, maybe a few other places around town. Next thing you know, they've got so many gigs and they're making so much money, they end up falling off the map as far as original music goes. But what I did see is there is a lot more people going to cover gigs than there are original gigs because they want to hear something that's familiar. So I started getting us gigs at a pl place like Vamped, for instance. It's like okay. our home away from home. Opening up for a cover band out here called Smashing Alice, who does all the greats from the 90s, 2000s, you know, 2010s. And they kill it. They show up. They put it all out on stage. It's all covers, but it's like, it's a better performance than most original bands in town. So they fucking pack the place. So mm -hmm. I go, yeah, we need to go on before them. And and that that pretty much was what we did. And we saw more people showing up to our, our shows. So Now, were you primarily playing all original stuff? I mean, I know you've, you've done a cover or two here and there, but I mean, were you, was your set, your set all original stuff or did you do covers yourself and mix in the original stuff to see how it would play? I mean, depending on the night and depending on where we're at, I'll try to throw between one to three covers in there. I think it's important for people to discover original music, but I also think it's important for the audience to be comfortable and to have a good time. And as much as I want somebody to hear my music and to know what I'm about and to hear my voice, I also like it when people sing with me and it's, <laughs> it, it, it creates a sense of camaraderie between you and the audience and you bond. And, and when you bond, um, it, it's just, you sell more merch. They come back next time, hoping to hear more stuff they know. And, uh, they, they remember you. Good, Eric. No, uh, well with the music, it sounds like you're the main writer do you have like a home studio that you, that you do the work for the writing process or what's your, what's your setup you got going? When I'm not actively like recording in the studio with like my producer and my engineer, 
because we're off my laptop. I finally right. graduated to working through Logic as a, as a recording program. But yeah. up until like last year, I was just on GarageBand. <laughs> Me too, man. I, I used GarageBand for well over like 15 years because I, I didn't really do too many deep dives into stuff. I would just do my basic, you know, versions yeah. of the songs. I really didn't need much more than I just got made fun of too much by the studio people, and I finally like upgraded to <laughs> GarageBand is great once you start getting those plugins that you want to sound really good, or like especially mm -hmm. like I love uh, Superior Drummer, yeah. Um, but trying to use that on GarageBand is insane. No. So I got Easy Drummer, which is like Superior Drummer Light, but same tones, just yeah. you know, just faster shit to to you know write music. Still, GarageBand was crashing left and right. So I was like, all right, I'll move on to Logic. So. Right. Also, you have to have a good enough like computer. I remember I was like, "Damn it!" I had a, I use like uh, Mac Minis. Those were the most affordable <laughs> Macs for me. And then I would just yep. buy like the peripherals that way I could have a, a good decent computer for under a grand. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had remember having to upgrade to like run that stuff. It was just choking. My old setup was my older one was just choking. I was like, "God damn it!" Uh, but I finally got that stuff straight, and I have the Easy Drummer thing too. Another thing I like is you can. Um, kind of change drum sets pretty easily to oh, after and all that to so check easy. different sounds out that work better with that song you're going for or whatever. But uh, that's great. And uh, for all bands, it's just so much easier uh, nowadays. Now you also have an actual studio that bigger studio you go in with a producer. When I'm in Vegas recording. Yes. So we've been working with Logan Mater. I want to say since we released ghost on the horizon, which was what 2017. Okay. So yeah, we we've been. I just I've been working with the guy for such a long time, and he taught me at least with him proper you know studio and recording etiquette that I don't often find myself wanting to work with other people as far as engineers goes because he'd like he can read my mind if I know I want something on my voice or if I want to go back and double something or if I need to do something whatever it is it's like we we don't even have to talk in order to communicate at this point. So he's, That's so he's important. super easy to work and he's just a beast with mixing and mastering and coming up with new ways to make things sound better. And it's fantastic. And once you add our, when we work with our producer, uh, John Moyer, that, that just, it's great. It's great. When, when you work with guys like Logan or like John, I mean, Logan, obviously known for what machine head and, um, Soulfly and a bunch of bands. Once Human. Yeah. I'm at a project called John Widowmaker right now that's pretty fucking sick. He's, sure. he's doing some great shit. He's doing great stuff. Obviously, John Moyer has the disturbed hugeness. <laughs> you know, I, say, I know that name. Yeah. And yeah, that's from, it, he's the uh, bass player, right? Right, from Disturbed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When, when you work with those guys, how difficult, if at all, is it for you to, I don't know, veto an idea that these guys that have done it, on the on the bigger level would have um it really depends on the idea and the time of day and how much sleep we've had the night before and if we're drinking wine or if we're <laughs> you know if we've eaten yet it really um what i love about working with john and logan is they don't care about <clears throat> it's not their ego it's right. what's best for the song. And we'll sit there and argue over the sound of a snare drum for 30 minutes and then come in the next day and be like, oh, that doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> like, we, like, we just didn't have lunch. <laughs> like, it's okay. 
So um, they, it's always just been about what's best for the song. And that's what I love about it. Sure. Well, and, and, and it, 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 it's, that is a rare quality in musicians that have met, that have done it. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times those, those guys will come in with the, well, I know how to do it. Look at, here's my, here's my resume, you know, and that's cool that you, that you work. And I, and I know both guys, so I know they are both very like, even if it's not their project and this is my read and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but my read on both of those guys is they take pride in the work they're doing with you, not just their work. Like they'll, if you do a song and it just fucking connects, they'll take as much pride in that as John Moyer would with down with the sickness. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Right on, man. So is, are you, is this considered you're an independent band? Is that what you'd classify yourselves as at this, at this point? Uh, Pretty much. Our, our recent single was through Madison records, uh, at least their digital distribution platform. And then before that, we dropped uh, some stuff with Earache because Al Dawson and the rest of the Earache team are absolutely fantastic as well. Um, but yeah, we're we're not really tied to any label right now. We're kind of just doing what we want. Do you want to be tied to to a label or no? If it's right for us, right. like it, it has to, it has to, I guess, be fruitful for both parties. You know what what why would we go to a label right now, you know, at our level, what could we bring to the table for them that is beneficial that in turn, they could give us a deal that's beneficial to us and not just some 360 deal that we're, you know, we get what $20,000 for six records and then we're screwed in debt right. for 10, 20 years. Like that wouldn't be worth it. And we'd be, you unhappy. can make a living, you can make a living independently yeah. and it's more sensible. You don't have uh, you know, a company controlling, uh, the band and potentially shelving the band at some point you can exactly you, know, you own the name and uh yeah you, you're just getting pennies on the dollar through a major label or anything like that so yeah nowadays it works more than at any other time in previous history now is the time where that's actually a possibility to do you could be all in-house yeah right on man well dude let, let's uh let's look at the kind of music that you make like like i said it, it's it's getting a lot of comparisons I don't think any of them are right, <laughs> personally. I really don't. I mean, it's first of all, I, I could hear this on active rock radio all day long. Every single song on Metamorphosis could play on active rock radio. Thank you. If these guys would just, you know, not look for a paycheck in order to play, or a play check, as it's called, you know, like if they that. weren't looking for a play check, then you would be on there. That being said, it is always hard, in my opinion, for darker music like this and, and it is it is somewhat dark but it's hard to find mass appeal because a lot of times the programmers are afraid to play it they're just they're just afraid that well it's not happy it's not papa roach's last resort so it's not fun you know they they don't look they look at the darker music as like oh that's gonna people are gonna turn the channel how difficult is it at all for you to find like a, a a radio a radio audience and and by audience i don't mean listeners i mean stations that that are willing to play the music and not necessarily have their hand out in order to play the music how difficult is it to find that yeah i think 
Well, I actually have nothing to do with that. That's that's all of our team. Okay. Um, we have a gentleman named Randy who's rocking our radio right now, and um, our, our buddy Mark Willis is also killing that too. And it's it's their vigilance, and they've been really really doing awesome stuff with us for at least for the SMR charts. We recently placed like uh, top four in that, and that's just secondary market. But um, I think as long as the as long as the programmer gets their hands on the music and they actually listen to it, we've seen fantastic results with that. So right. it's just I was... getting them to hear the song in the first place. Because like, oh yeah, sure, another another band. Dark, what is it? The Nocturnal Affair? What kind of name is that? But then <laughs> if they once once they've heard like Down or It's No Good, then oh what the fuck? Where did you guys come from? Like, I was thinking you know, of Sly and the Family Stone. I was like, it's a nocturnal affair. <laughs> it's a nocturnal affair. I don't know about affair. that song. Oh, I, you need to look into that. I think you just introduced me to the song we're gonna walk out to. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Sly and the Family Stone are awesome. I think you'd love them. They're you know sixties, late sixties uh, band, soul Old band. Hell yeah, yeah. Um, now, as as far as the 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 tour, getting ready for this for this tour or have you guys how much touring has the band members done like is, is this going to be a first tour for some of these guys you have no these guys these guys are my my mvps so um for the longest time the nocturnal affair was a like a revolving door of musicians i would write most of the music uh but now that my lead guitarist is a part of the band he's also come in he writes a lot with me he writes all of the solos i mean i think except for there's like one little guitar diddly in our song nothing left that you know kind of stood the test of time from when i originally wrote that song but everything else all the solos are andy and he's absolutely phenomenal um so the, these are my these are my dudes that i you know except the drummer we've been through more drummers than spinal tap right? <laughs> always say but right. yeah but parker was also with us for our first fozzy tour so they've all been on tour before they love it i trust these guys and uh yeah, we're going to have a great time. So you, you've already done, you've been on the road with Fozzie already. This will be our third time on the road with them. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. So how, how did how, how did you d develop the uh, relationship with uh, Chris Jericho? It's all, right. He's just here, right? Yeah, it's, it's all through. So um, Moyer has introduced me to some of my current management who is close with Fozzie's management. Okay. And while we were recording a ton of songs that we haven't even released yet. I've got like a whole second and third record ready to go, um, like fully produced, mixed, mastered. Uh, while that was happening, we were kind of sending some songs over and they were like, why don't you come out on the cruise? So we did our first bout with the with the Jericho cruise back in like 2021. It was amazing reception. It was great. Had a, had a blast. And they invited us out on tour. So we went out with them 2022. And then we went out with them again earlier this year. And this will be our third time. And then next year, it's going to be our third time on the cruise. Wow. You right. know what? You know what's really interesting about your band? And this is, you know, when I was reading through the bio, I was like, wow, these guys are ballsy. And that was my honest to God thought was you guys are ballsy. The different types of bands that you guys have played shows with, you know, whether it's Blackstone Cherry or Three Doors Down or Smile Empty Soul or Fozzie or 69 Eyes. I mean, these are some very different, you know, they're, they have very different audiences and you guys are out there in front of them 
do you do you like that going into it and people spending the first three or four songs going what the hell am i looking at here yep you know because i imagine that's what you get when you do some of these shows i love that i i I love that idea uh from a young age i remember i used to watch interviews of my favorite artists all the time looking for you know what's what's the secret what's the what's the code what's the special pattern that you know every artist that i love that's successful has has fallen into um and something that's always stuck out to me is putting together a show to where all the bands don't sound the same it's very important because that's how someone remembers you Mm -hmm. if you are playing with other bands that sound just like you and nobody knows you nobody's going to care and they're going to tone it out and they're going to go get a drink and they're going to meet with their friends and they're going to kind of just vibe but if you show up to a show with a bunch of, you know, wrestling fans that are used to Fozzie and you start, you know, screaming and jumping around and playing synths and you got a bunch of dudes with hair enough for like a panting, you know, commercial. <laughs> people remember you. Right. right. <laughs> no doubt, man. Dude, in a perfect world, what if I chat with you in a year from now, what will it take for you to say this this last 12 months has been successful for the nocturnal affair is it sales is it numbers is it bigger tours is it a hit single is it already successful and this the rest is just kind of icing on the cake what a true organic response okay i think it's important i think i think if 12 months from now we speak again and i've been to the same city a few times and every time I've gone to that city, our crowd uh, has doubled or maybe just increased by some. Like if every person that went brings back one person or two people the next time they see us, I consider that success. I think that's important. Um, I think it's it's uh, important not to skip steps and just try to play. You know, we don't need to be playing arenas yet, but that'd be nice. But sure. it's, I think, steady, organic growth is important. So you don't end up just being like a blip on the radar and then disappear, you know? Right. right. And, and, and it's really hard to get that these days. Let, let me rephrase this. Is it difficult that to get that these days, given the just the sheer amount of bands that are out there and the amount of social media that everybody gets beaten up with, you know, and, and all that? I don't think so. It's funny. People act like it is and that it's unreachable and that's impossible what I've begun to notice with my own journey, at least, and with my own issues with uh, pride and ego that I've been battling since, you know, I can't remember when, is once you start bumping elbows with, you know, people that can actually do something in this industry and can move mountains for you, the only thing that will be holding you back at that point is yourself you would be surprised how many of these people will give you the advice that you need to move forward. And there's so many others like me that hear that and go, well, no, I'm going to do it my way. What? That's crazy. I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, they kind of run in place for a few years and I did the same thing. I'm, I'm very guilty of it. There's a lot of things that I've, I, I, you know, I wish I should have listened to earlier that, I mean, I'm doing now and I'm, I'm getting better at it, but, um, I think the most important thing to do is to listen, listen to the world around you and the industry around you and not to like, stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Like just <laughs> like do, do music, do what you love. And, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
I've gone off on a bit of a tangent with that one. But. <laughs> Go with your strengths. If you yeah, will. man. Right on. <laughs> what do you think about like, uh, you know, I, I recently made my social media on like Facebook and stuff like in professional mode, which I would imagine most bands that start their social media have something similar like that going. And like, they're always asking me, do you want to boost your post? You want to boost this? And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm not personally looking to boost it. But if I had a band, which I, I've been playing for Stephen Piercy for 23 years, there hasn't been a reason for me to do too much outside of that. So it, it, like if I had to start something now in 2023, I'd have to rethink that. You know what I mean? Like, would it be worth it if they're saying every post I do, they want 10 bucks, it'll reach X amount of people. Can I put a dollar, a sensible dollar figure on reaching an audience that they already know would like my kind of stuff. You know, have you ever thought about that or tried that or what's your thoughts on the boost? Well, I think the important things to boost would be when you want to bring people right to sell a product. It's like a commercial, right? You, you, mm -hmm. you, you turn on the TV and it's some kind of store and they're like, we've got this sale. We've got this going on. They obviously paid for that commercial. They want somebody to go down to their store get that new item, do whatever. So like, yeah, so if you've got a show coming up or if you've got an album release or if you've got a single that was just released, mm -hmm. definitely boost that so you can bring the eyes to that main product. Right. Um, but make sure there's also a good mix of you just like posting content every day, which I'm still trying to get better at. And mm -hmm. um, like, you know, definitely showing your personality, doing things that people are going to connect with. And um, yeah, I think the only time you really should boost a post is if, numbers are involved if if you're looking to sell something or right you got a record coming out i mean that's what i was thinking yeah. like you would you said like you have a, you have a single coming out you don't have that much time to let one person tell another person to tell another person you got the band together right now you need to move you want people to hear this song right now in the in the moment and the time that we're in the date that we're in you want, to, yep. you want them to hear it it might be worth it to spend what i don't know 300 bucks 500 bucks to make sure like tens I mean, of thousands of people are going to see that in their feed that day 500 bucks is a lot for a sponsored post <laughs> then again nocturnal maybe is not at that level yet um i've found anywhere from 30 to 80 dollars is enough to put people in a room for us so That's cool because they have the, they know the demographic. Like they're only going to show that to people that live in with certain mileage miles of that venue. If it's uh, if it's to promote a concert you're playing, or I don't know how the algorithms work. I was asking you because I assume you probably do know all this. With Facebook to... and Instagram, I've recently. So aside from Nocturnal, I, I do to make money around town. I do a few tribute right. acts, and right. our recent tribute act did our first show, and we did a sponsored post, and we dropped about thirty bucks into it. And for people who'd never been out to see us before, a lot of people showed up. It was a good That's time. Cool. So it worked. I mean, and we did nice. it, yeah, Instagram and Facebook. So, right. And, and you can set all that, Eric. I'll just tell you, as, as somebody that owns an IT company, I do have a little knowledge here. You can actually set it and say, yeah, 25 miles around this area, you know, yeah. with interest in bip, bip, and bip. You know, mm -hmm. you tell it those things and it'll work, but... MySpace was a little bit like that, if I recall. Like you, MySpace. I, what year is this? <laughs> I know. I, I'm pretty sure it was though. Like where you, they they allowed you to like uh, add people. Like you could you could 
put a, a a certain area in and do miles and stuff a lot easier than you can with uh with facebook eh, facebook's easy but but well well dude one thing that we always try to do on this show is we try to tell people to not just stream we're not telling people not to stream but we tell people not to just stream okay so what where should we direct people to go to actually buy something from the nocturnal affair <sighs> We don't have a drop shipping store yet. I'd say if you want something physical from us, come out to one of our shows coming up with Fozzie. Okay. And I want to say by Christmas time, we will have a site up so you can get your favorite stuff from us. Very cool, man. And um, so, so then I guess I'll pull it back. Go ahead and stream. Yes. <laughs> give these guys, give these guys one tenth of one cent for every thousand plays they get or whatever. I think I think what's important too though with streaming specifically Spotify is I found the higher your Spotify numbers organically go the better the chance you have to get on those like Danny Wimmer presents sure. Blue Ridge and all of those festivals that are bringing thousands of people there to put your merch in their hands so in turn yeah streaming our music can result in more money of physical product purchase in the long run right is it is it a thing and i don't know the answer to this but there's so many streaming outlets out there do you find that like a danny wimmer presents that management team do they only look at spotify numbers or will they take the cum of well we we have ten thousand subscribers on spotify and 700 on youtube music and apple and i wish i knew because okay. if, if I knew, maybe I'd be playing one of those festivals already. <laughs> well, we I just played Blue Ridge Festival, and it was a nightmare. So really, <laughs> careful what you wish for. Well, there was different things that that put the kibosh on the whole event. They just oh. everything you can imagine, from weather to uh, you know union guy. I think problems, and so most of the bands didn't even play at that. You know, uh, a couple did. Uh, cky did and i can tell our our audience that we are gonna have jess margera on the show yeah that'll be fun uh, chris is getting uh that locked in hell yeah well dude let's let's uh let's tell people where to go to keep up with the nocturnal affair you do have this release right here metamorphosis it is out it is available on the streaming services so if people want to listen to that or find out more about the band or get the get figure out where the closest that album cover is, is sick dude hell yeah thank you I man mean, thank you wow who did that, that was um that was actually a connection through logan that artist is the front man for the band septic flesh uh okay. seth actually he wow. he did all of that so he Mechanical asked me what the heart was i about, love it and I, I gave him some uh some, some keywords and he came back to me with a few versions of that and i was just like yes <laughs> like that it, it makes it look like we're a fucking death metal band but i don't give a fuck it looks great <laughs> like, i don't know yeah dark it has a dark feel to it but it's still like uh very artsy i, I love it you know? oh yeah, it's, it's fantastic cool, yeah cool. um we also have recently we dropped our own version of a song called it's no good yeah originally by depeche mode right. so that's also out spotify apple music youtube deezer Tinder, only Tinder, Tinder whatever. <laughs> there you go. It's a it's a match. <laughs> nice. Well, Put one on more... grinder for Chris. Stop. <laughs> 
Well, one more hey, time to work for Peter with Playgirl. So yeah, there you so. go. That's right. Well, I figured what we would do, man, is we would end the interview with It's No Good, or at least a piece of it, the uh, Depeche Mode cover. Um, so one more time, it is The Nocturnal Affair. And, dude, t- uh, to wrap it up, tell us tell us why you chose this song or what this song meant to you to, to choose this one to cover. It's been in my <laughs> garage band session files for over a decade now. I've been wanting to cover this song for I don't know how long and it just made sense I've got a shit ton of covers that like I've got ready to go that I don't know maybe I'll do a cover record eventually we'll see right on well for now we're going to give people a taste this is the nocturnal affair it is it's no good and um Brennan thanks so much for joining us here on Chris Aiken Presents thanks for having me take it easy guys bye bye Oh uh-huh.